This is episode number 71 with Jared Gaynor. Jared and I have been coaching the Lima Locos in the Great Lakes Collegiate League this summer. Um, we are now in the playoffs, and we're just kind of going over what we saw from a player development standpoint this summer. Jared's uh, background is pitching. He actually won a, a ring last year, a championship with the York Revolution in the Atlantic League. Uh, the top independent uh, league in all professional baseball. So he actually he talks a lot about you know what he likes to do with his pitchers from a warm up routine to uh, post workout, what he looks for when he's working with guys, weighted balls, just everything um, from a mechanic standpoint. We also get into hitting mechanics as well. Talk a little bit about that, and we also go around the uh, the baseball world and talk about some of the top stories. So. Um, if you guys haven't already, please make sure to head on over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Um, that would be uh, really it would really mean a lot, and it would really help out the, the overall rating of the show. So I would uh, that would be awesome. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jared Gaynor. All right. Did you see the racist tweets that some of these players have been getting caught uh, tweeting years and years ago? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, it's like, is someone literally just going on Twitter, searching every big leaguer's name, trying to find, you know, something wrong with players, especially when they're on their biggest stage, it seems like. With Josh Hader during the All-Star game, tweets came out. And then yesterday with Sean Newcomb for the Braves, he's throwing a no-hitter, and these tweets came out. So it's kind of an interesting situation. Well, I think I think uh, the reason why they're, on, they're not really necessarily waiting till they're on the big stage is they just happen to be on the big stage right. and someone's online and be like, oh, I wonder what this dude's tweeted in the past. Because I'm pretty sure on Twitter... You can go to search for someone's name and like type in keywords and like if they ever said that word, it'll pop up. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird. It's like what what are these people trying to do? Are they trying just to ruin their careers or ruin them while they're in this moment? I mean, I don't really understand what's in it for the person that's doing this, other than just trying to humiliate the player. And and I'm not excusing you know what they're saying or what they're doing, but most of these tweets are from six, seven years ago when they were kids. I mean, I yeah, it's it is kind of weird. It's like, but I, what I what I'm, one of my main points was, what in the hell are the agents paid for? Like, no. why? Like, how can you sign a player, especially one who's in, currently in the major leagues and not have looked at every single thing he's done on social media? I mean, you should be fired immediately. Oh, exactly. You know, and if not the agent, then someone in the organization should have that job title where they're taking care of all the social media type stuff because there really is no excuse for that. You're going to pay someone that much money and you're going to let something like this happen to where it could potentially hurt you as an organization and the player specifically. It just it doesn't really make sense, and it's kind of weird that this is all coming up now when, like we said, these tweets were from six, seven years ago. What's urging someone to discover this stuff now? I mean, a lot of people are bored, man. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, a lot of people have a lot of free time on their hands. I mean, maybe I'll start doing that. I'm going to have some free time. Shoot, Our season's yeah. coming to a close here. That's true. Yeah, you might have some more time to do that and maybe make a name for yourself. That's true. That's true. Any any chance to go viral, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That, that is true. Yeah. Hey, you do that, then you can do a little plug-in for your podcast, and who knows? You might take off from there. Yeah. I mean... Who knows? So speaking of, of uh, the our season, we just got back from, for those who are listening, uh, we coach um, for the Lima Locos in the Great Lakes Collegiate League. And season's uh, coming to a close. We have our, our playoff game. Um, well, actually, when this airs, our playoff game will be, well, it's probably going to get rained out, I would say, Tuesday. So Wednesday, this episode's coming out Wednesday. We'll probably play then. But anyway, 
we just got back from Canada and pretty crazy. We, we go to Canada, we're at the border, everyone goes through, gets through fine. And the one kid, the, the kid from Panama did not make it. No. Yeah. So it turns out he has a visa for the U S but not Canada. So, but there, it was pretty easy to get him in. All we had to do is pay a $200 fine and they let him in. So it wasn't too big of a deal, but we didn't have the money on us and we weren't going to pay for it right then. So he ended up staying at the border for, it seemed like two, maybe three hours while we went through and went to the field. Um, but it's kind of an interesting situation. I was actually in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking about it. I thought maybe he was fine. I thought our general manager talked to him about it before we signed him, but apparently not. But uh, I've heard of that in, uh, independent baseball because they have teams up in Canada where guys right. will um, uh, go up to the border. I get you know, Winnipeg, I know Ottawa, and they'll like straight up, like they'll drive everyone, you know, they have a DUI in their record or something yep. like that, and they will straight up leave them at the, right at the border, just you know, take all their bags, put them off the bus, take them right at the border, and just drive right on. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, it definitely makes you want to make sure that you're able to get through, or else you're going to be stranded there and you're going to have to find a way to get home. It's tough, man. And then then we get to Canada, um, intense couple intense games up there. Couple intense, intense games. You got thrown out of a game. I did. You know, I, I had to mark that off my resume. I've never been ejected before, but th- they honestly had it coming. You actually got a little heated too at one moment where they were yeah, telling you to stop saying, talking. I was, I, was, I was under control. <laughs> I was under control. Yeah. So, so what happened was they had two two early calls early in the game where one they called a strike three call where the catcher completely missed the ball and it went to the backstop and they called a strike three on it. And then another situation was a check swing from a left-handed batter that the first base umpire said that he went around on, which I don't know how he can see that. And then what finally pushed me over was a guy trying to bunt that he ended up getting hit by the pitch, but he was still squared around a bunt, which means it's technically a strike. If you make a swing, you get hit, or if you're squared around a bunt, you get hit. It's still a strike. And the umpire's reasoning for not calling it a strike was he didn't want to reward the pitcher for hitting the batter. And all I had to say was... That doesn't matter. It's not a part of the play, or it's not a part of the rule book. So um, I, I finally decided just to go for it. I didn't even say anything that bad, honestly. I just didn't stop talking. I just kept arguing and telling him he was wrong, that if he wants to be an umpire in this league, he needs to learn the rules. Mm, so people don't like to be put in their place like that. Mm. And then uh, yours truly uh, became top dog at that point. <laughs> I was the, the um, head coach, and I led us to a extra inning walk-off loss. Yeah, I know that that was so I ended up getting out of my uniform and going behind home plate so I could watch the game and kind of blend it in. I think I look like a normal fan, uh, but that was a good game. You know, it, it was unfortunate that we lost, but it had a good playoff feel, which I think was good for our guys to kind of learn to deal with that and just a little bit more pressure. And, you know, even though we lost, I think we're going to learn a lot from that. Um, and it just turns out that the team that we lost to is who will end up playing in the playoffs if we win on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Um it's supposed to rain. Uh, rain's been an issue up and down the entire season um, in Lima, Ohio. And I feel just across Ohio in general, it's been raining like crazy all season. Um, but the one thing that we are missing is pitching. And we've lost – how many guys have we lost now? 18? It's close to that, yeah. 18 or 19 players have gone home um, from the start of this season uh, who want to – I mean, we originally had like 35 guys. And I remember when we got here, we were we were thinking, like, we have too many guys. Like, this is insane. We have over 20 pitchers. Yeah. And now now we're down to how many players do we have? 
we have I want to say twenty one players maybe. Yeah, if but, that. Yeah, so we have like we have one guy on the bench. Actually, yeah, I take that back because we lost a couple this week due to injury. Actually, a couple injuries. Um, so yeah, we might even be down to eighteen players right now. Yeah, we have one position player on the bench during a game. That's right, right? and he's a catcher, and it's a catcher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no offense, but I mean. No, and also one of our players that is still playing is a little banged up still. So, you know, honestly, anything can happen. And who knows, you might even have a pitcher out there playing the yeah, field. Yeah, and again, no offense to catchers, but you guys aren't really regarded as great athletes filling in other positions. <laughs> Normally, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's typical. Lying? Although that's like, we, it's like pitchers. All right, easy now. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually did have one of our catchers pitch in our last game this season, which was kind of cool to see. We were able to clinch. Um, Clinch a playoff berth on Saturday, which allowed us to have some fun on Sunday and pitch some position players who've been begging us all year to throw. And I honestly was a little surprised with how good some of them were. Yeah, we had some good guys. Speaking of pitchers, what has been your biggest surprise by watching, I guess, coaching? I mean, you've been a pitching coach for a couple years now, but have you seen anything that surprised you this summer with kind of just how pitchers, your pitchers have been um, on this team? Um, you know, I think it's it's interesting to see the guys that have been putting in consistent work throughout the summer. And um, I don't know if any of you guys saw that Casey Weathers uh, video. Um, I, I, I didn't actually watch it, but I saw it. Uh, it's yeah. good. I recommend watching it. So one of the lines he says in it is hard work doesn't necessarily, necessarily guarantee success, but it guarantees honesty. So in other words... You're not going to be successful all the time, even be, even though you work hard. And I used to think that as a player was just because I'm working hard, I deserve to be successful. But that's not always going to be the case. But one thing it does reveal is where you are, and you can be honest with yourself on whether you put in everything you had. Um, and that, that's one of the things I've noticed with some of our pitchers is, you know, a lot of them, they, they've been working hard this summer. They've been having some success, getting some results. But they've also gone through some waves where they really struggled. You know, one of our better pitchers who has had the biggest jump in velocity, he got rocked last week. And the one start that he made, I think he gave up maybe seven runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seven or eight runs and um and he's still going at it still working hard throughout the week and trying to get better and that, that's what you have to do um you can't let a little setback um push you back and not work as hard um so i think that's been the key is just or the interesting thing to see players that that have a little adversity are they going to stick with what they've been doing and keep working harder are they going to slow down a little bit and kind of hit the brakes and then um with that with that particular picture you're talking about again we don't we don't really mention anybody's names on here just because they're they're currently our players. I guess once after the season, well, we can say whoever's names we want to. But since it is technically during the season, um, I know his arm. Like you were, you were talking about shortening his arm path, right? Or it's like how long his motion is. And I was kind of curious about that because I've read, I believe, I think Driveline did some stuff where it really doesn't matter how long your arm path is. You know, it, it does in the sense of timing. So where I am when my foot lands and the way my arm is moving in space in relation to the rest of my body does matter. Um, and for him, he was actually kind of making some changes on his own. I actually didn't even talk about his arm action. I just noticed that he initially started making it shorter. Um, and he was getting to a point to where um, it was working really well, but then he kept shortening it and shortening it. And he got to the point to where it was almost like he was throwing like a catcher and his velocity was going back down. So I think there's a fine line between it. I can't I can't make it so short to where my arm is just kind of waiting for my foot to land. It needs to be a continuous movement to where it's um, has rhythm and timing with it. So one of the things I teach with arm action is is trying to retract your shoulder more back. So what I mean by retract is if I were to have my arm straight out, if I were to pull my shoulder back, that's considered retraction. If my shoulder goes forward, that's protraction. Okay, so by retracting my shoulder, I'm going to now activate um, my scapula, or in other words, um, my uh, shoulder blade. Um, so what I'm trying to do there is I'm thinking about bringing my elbow back. So if I were a right-handed pitcher, I'd be pulling it back towards first base. 
And what that's going to do is going to activate the back of the shoulder. And from there, I'm going to almost think of it as like an arm spiral to where my arm is going to gradually build up behind me, eventually getting to where my hand is at roughly 90 degrees up once my foot lands. And from there, it's all about rotation and exploding through your target. Do you think that uh, naturally a lot of players have the correct arm path or movement um, as a thrower or a pitcher and it's kind of coached out of them? 100%. Because um, you see position, like we saw position players go on the mound yesterday and it Man, they looked. I mean, Shoot. pretty smooth. Uh, our catcher. I mean, he had like he showed me a video. We videoed him, and I looked at the video. His mechanics were better than almost every pitcher on our team, and I and I think that's so true that you do get coached out of it. And a lot of it is from okay, we just want you to throw strikes, slow down, you know, reach back, point the ball towards second base. Um, it's just. You're, there's a lot of kids that I work with that are you know, 10, 11 years old that have never had an instructor before, and they just naturally move really well. Um, and it's, it's sad that they— So what's the point of having an instructor? I think more for guidance as far as programming would be, would be one thing, um, teaching them proper um, warm-up routines, recovery routines. Like when I'm working with kids, um, I, I really don't talk about mechanics a whole lot unless they're completely off. You know? And there's some kids that are way off. Um, but for the most part, I'm just talking about a couple key things about getting, get, keeping your shoulders closed and just rotating and throwing the crap out of the ball. Well, how early can you do uh, weighted balls? It's kind of a debatable topic. You know, I, I know driveline has a youth program, which I've used with kids before. Um, but it's, I think you got to be careful with it. Um, I, I don't go any extreme weights with too heavy or too light. Um, but I have used weighted balls with kids as young as 12 and 13 years old. Um, but I, I'm pretty conservative with it. I want to make sure they master just getting the intent with the with the baseball. I don't think they they really need to focus on the weighted balls until they get older and get stronger. Um, I think just focusing on long toss and just learning what it means to try to throw hard. Um, I think that takes a couple years for kids to get used to. And just with the long toss as they get older, building up to further distances, I think is good enough. Speaking of intent and throwing, um, grunting, that's that's a way to, to add some velo, right? No, it, it really does. Yeah, like, and like, I, they did a study. And I even for like, they did a, a there's a study out for a collegiate uh, tennis players. And they talked about the their um, forehand and serve velocity was increased by 5% when they grunted yeah, versus right. when they didn't. I believe it. You know, we, we actually, that same kid that had the big increase in velo at the all-star game, he grunted every single pitch. And I think that was the hardest he had thrown. We didn't have the radar gun that day, but it was coming in good. Um, and I think some people are embarrassed to do it. Oh, um, hell yeah. Do, yeah. It, especially if you're throwing 85. I mean, you don't want to be grunting, but, but yeah, I mean, if you're trying to have a max PR day, you're, you're in the weight room or you're in, um, in a training session where you're trying to throw hard instead of PR. I, I think you have to grunt. I think that, that's one way to just fully give it everything you have and just release all your energy into the ball. Yeah, nothing wrong with grunting at all and being a little manly. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um, what kind of uh, warm-up stuff do you do you like having your pitchers do? Well, I, I like to always start with just foam rolling and lacrosse ball rollout. And it, this is more like... This is another debatable topic. Really, everything is. Honestly. Yeah, why is everything a debatable topic? It, just because everyone has their own point of view. But which, science. Yeah. What? Well, well, there's also the, the factor of even if something isn't technically um, supposed to work, if you feel like it helps you, or you feel like it works. There's the mental and psychology part of it, where if you like it and it's not going to do any harm to you, I don't see a problem with doing it. So. For me, the reason why I like the foam rolling is, number one, it does kind of get some blood flow and warm up your body a little bit. But I also like that time for guys to start getting locked in and focus on what they're going to do for that day. I think the warm up is more than just preparing your body physically, but mentally just kind of getting prepared for what you have that day. So I like to start with a lot lighter stuff, easier, and gradually build up to more intense exercises. Um, so we'll start with foam rolling, the crossbar rollout. 
Um, and then we'll move into some more mobility stuff. I usually start with a thoracic spine, so we'll do some T-spine rotations, um, do some cat-dog stretches, and then I like to move to the hips and do different hip um, internal and external rotation exercises. And then eventually build up to more active exercises, um, karaoke, side shuffle, um, RDLs, just stuff like that um, as far as just getting the body warmed up. And then I have more throwing-specific stuff as well. And then post-game, you, you, you always have them do a post-game workout. I feel like, do they work out too much? Because, I mean, I feel like they're always working out. Yeah, I mean, there's always a fine line. Like, with the post-game the post recovery stuff, though, is so light. It takes five minutes to do. It's just a little bit of band exercises, um, some upward tosses with the ball, um, and then some shoulder stability exercises. So it really isn't much. It's more of just to help get the range of motion back. So a lot of times when pitchers throw, they start to lose a little bit of range of motion internally and externally. Not externally, usually, but usually internally. Um, so anytime you can do any exercises to start to restore that lost range of motion, I think it helps with recovery. Did you use weighted balls in college? I, I did a little bit, but I didn't really have a program that I followed specifically. Like I kind of just would grab like a six ounce ball or a four ounce ball and just throw it as hard as I could. So, and then my senior year, my, my pitching coach kind of made his own program that he got from Tom house. Um, it was okay. Um, I didn't really see any velocity jumps, but honestly the biggest velocity jumps I saw in college, um, was when I was a freshman going to my sophomore year, I just did a lot of long toss and just lifted and got really strong or got a lot stronger than I was. Cause I was pretty undersized my freshman year of college. And that off season, I made a big jump and just strength. Still are. You still are. I still am understand. Well, you should have seen me then. I was about 145 pounds. Jeez. So it might, yeah, going into my freshman year, I was 145 pounds. And then going into my sophomore year, I ended up getting up to 170. Whoa. So I made a good jump and I just lifted four or five days a week and just focused on the main lifts, getting stronger. And my velo went up four or five miles an hour. Well, you went to George Mason, right? Right. Well, at that time, I was at South Mountain Community College in Arizona. What part of Arizona um, is that? It's in Phoenix. It's near downtown area. So it's actually a really good area. So you I lived at home? Uh, no, I lived in an apartment. I was about an hour away um, from where my school was. Really? Yeah. Close to 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. With traffic, it ended up being an hour. Cave Creek, right? Yeah. That's an, that's an hour from downtown Phoenix? Uh, with traffic in the morning, it was close to that. Okay, so okay. I, I just wanted to live close. So I lived with some roommates and took in the whole college experience so have you have you used weighted balls and then gone out and played a season full season oh in pro ball i did or what do you mean yeah in college? That's what i mean yeah no, no no that's what i mean have you like have you seen the benefits velocity wise of using weighted balls yes yeah so the the first time so i started off like i said my senior with the tom house program got a little bit familiar with it and i ended up using it again um after my first year of independent ball um, in this, in the off season of 2014. And it helped a little bit. It helped more with just like my, my arm care and just kind of keeping my arm strong, but it didn't really help me with, with velocity. Um, and then in 2016, um, the off season of 2016, I found out about driveline and I honestly don't even remember how I came across it. Um, but I, I found out about Kyle Bodie and, and looked at their website and saw everything they were doing and saw Trevor Bowers using it. And, um, they actually had an eight week program on there that was free that you could download. So I purchased their balls and, and did the eight week free program. I ended up going up, I think five miles an hour in eight weeks. So I was, I was a crafty lefty. I was 83 to 85. Um, and by the end of it, I was 87 to 90 in eight weeks. What's the hardest you've ever hit? 91. 91. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't even know, uh, how to pronounce Kyle Bodie's last name? Did you so, say body. I was like, or, what is it? B body yeah, Bodie. That's what I thought at first. Too. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. I didn't even really know to like the past couple of months. Really? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I just call him. I was calling him like body all the time. Right. Bodie. What? It's Bodie, right? Bodie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, after I I found out about that, I started to get really interested in everything because I'm like, when you get a big velocity jump, you're gonna tend to want to learn more about what they're doing and their other options. So I ended up 
uh, purchasing Hacking the Kinetic Chain, one of their books that has uh, mechanical stuff in it, programming, um, pretty much anything related to pitching, and really started to dive into it. Um, Who wrote that? Was uh, that Bodie? The original one was Bodie. Um, the second one they just came out Matt with Daniels. was Matt Daniels. Yeah. yeah, had him on the show. Um, yeah, they do a great job. They do a good job out there. Um, I tell you what, man. I mean, it's it's very very difficult to, I mean, to do anything as an entrepreneur, but uh, kind of single-handedly take control of like the game of baseball it seems like and i wouldn't say take control but i mean to make an impact I right mean, there's definitely uh, drive lines made a divot in in uh in baseball in the united states which is pretty pretty cool i mean pretty inspiring no it is absolutely and i think it helps to have certain people um like trevor bauer who are kind of oh, in yeah. your corner yeah. and helping but for trevor bauer to buy into it that mm-hmm. means you got to know what you're doing because trevor bauer is one of those guys you know since he was in college he was going to florida ba- or not florida baseball texas. Ranch, texas baseball ranch and he's always been just really into the mechanical and by biomechanics of things and you know he's a really smart guy and one of the first things he, I think he said when he met Kyle Bodie was that this guy's one of the smartest guys I've ever met um, so I, th- I think the fact that he had a guy like that buy into what he was doing helped a lot but to begin with I me mean, Kyle Bodie had to be pretty smart to know what he was doing well and I but I remember I listened to a podcast the other day with with Kyle Bodie um, on it and uh, oh, what was it with I hate that I can't mention the the name of the pod it was Cedric Phillips I think was his podcast and he was kind of talking about how everyone thinks he's smart and that's not like he, he feels like he's a he's above average smart but he feels like because he's Asian that people just assume that he's smart and I which I mean I completely yeah. understand but I mean it kind of um, blows you know kind of sets aside the, all the work he's had to put oh, in and he was like you know, like literally, like nothing is that hard to learn. Like building a biomechanics lab wasn't that hard to learn. Yeah, you just you know have to I mean? put in the work. Yeah, you just have to put in the work. And I, you know, I mean, so I mean, is he really that smart? I mean, he's, I'm sure he's smart, but I mean, I'm, I, you gotta, I definitely gotta give him credit for, you know, working crazy hours to figure it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been, he'll work in the middle of the night. I'll see him post stuff on Instagram or Twitter where he's literally working in the lab at one or two in the morning. Um, and that's honestly what it takes to, to get to the point where he's at. You honestly kind of have to be what people call a freak, you know, where yeah. you're just willing to do what other people aren't. And I don't think people realize that driveline's actually been around a little bit longer um, oh, than what they've been famous for. Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't was, even know what they, I mean, I really didn't pay attention to them till the last two years. And that's no, blown up. No, exactly. I mean, people see that like, oh, they've always been successful. They've always had this. But if you look at their old facility, it was nothing special. There was not much there. You ever been out there? I haven't. Um, I've been wanting to go for a while, but I've met Kyle. He um, he's come out to Arizona a couple of times. Um, there's a gym that I go to in Arizona that's kind of like the Arizona version of Driveline. Um, Luke Haggerty runs it. It's called X2 Performance, and him and uh, Kyle are close. And he's come out and done a couple of seminars, so I've been able to hear him speak and uh, meet him a couple of times. Yeah, it seems like a good guy. Yeah, no, he actually really is like like he gets a bad uh, rap on or on Twitter or Instagram uh, for kind of being a dick just for know, just funny. for the stuff he says. But I mean, honestly, he's he's always just honest. I mean, he just says his opinion, and he's not necessarily wrong with what he says. But you know, in person, he's honestly a really good guy. Social media is is, is so fake. It really is. It's People can say whatever life. they want. Yeah, that uh, they you, want to say in person. Yeah, you can talk so much smack to me like online, and then if you see me in person. I, the, the the messages not Twitter hasn't been that bad, but on Instagram I will get so many stupid messages from from players about how bad I suck. <laughs> I was like, dude, first of all, I don't even play anymore. Like, I, I, how can I suck? But and I mean, just like, and I've showed you even a couple yeah. a couple times. You know, with that that one kid who was who guys who was at a junior college, 
and was and this, this goes back to social media again is you're posting stupid stuff and trying to get recruited i mean there's this thing called the internet you can just look anybody yeah, up. exactly yeah the kid was trying to tell us the he kid, was a starter yeah. at this junior college yeah, that was, was really good it was joaquin delta which is one of the best jucos in california and we looked him up he wasn't even on the roster yeah and he's like, well, well, you don't just come on into a, you know, this type of JUCO and just you know start right away. Like, well, if you're good, you do. I was like, well, <laughs> well, if you're good, you do, and you're at least on the damn roster. Yeah. Jeez. So if, if you're like a, a younger pitcher, like high school, um, maybe even younger than that, like uh, 17 and, and younger, what I mean, what should you do if you don't have access to, to like a, a coach, you know, who's at the forefront of like all the mechanics and everything. Well, I think what you just said with the internet, with all these things online, I, I think the internet can be your best friend. But it also, if you're not looking at the right things, it can also hurt you. But, you know, guys like Kyle Bodie, I mean, I I would do whatever whatever they have, read their blogs online. You got to do your own research, you know. Um, if you really want to get to that next level, you got to find a way, even if you don't have the coach. You have all the resources you could want online. Um, and I think the main things though, if you're a high school kid, especially if you're a little bit undersized, just focus on getting stronger. I wish I would have done that more when I was in high school rather than, I thought I had to do baseball specific exercise when I was 130 pounds as a freshman or sophomore in high school. It's like, no, I just need a squat deadlift and chest press and do pull-ups and just get as strong as I can with the basic lifts. And once you do that, once you get to a certain point, then you can move on to the more individualized workouts. Uh, individualized workouts as in more you know just focusing more on you know well obviously you always want to do like arm care type stuff but um, I just think the basic lifts are just the most important rather than getting technical with um, I can't even think of an example right now Um, but like doing like I did machines kettlebell get up or something like that yeah you know yeah a Turkish yeah kettlebell Turkish get up up, you know like that's a great exercise but I love it but you don't need to do it unless you can squat properly hip pinch properly like learn just the basic movements I, I just don't think it's going to have as much carryover because really when you're younger or you're undersized, just about anything is going to help you. But there's a small window with doing those those main lifts to get stronger. Like right now, like if I just continue to try to just get stronger with those main lifts, they're not going to have as much of a carryover. Once you get to a certain point, it's not going to help as much. So if you can focus on that, then I think the more technical exercises are going to help more later down the road. Do you think that um, one of the things that, that a lot of people have been talking about lately is it's just the whole one-on-one lesson thing? And I know we've talked about about that a little bit. I mean, the whole, the whole, and I understand, I've said this before, but I understand why facilities just do the one-on-one lesson from a business standpoint, right? Because it's going to make you a lot more money, but uh, for a beneficial standpoint for, for the athlete, um, for the athlete's benefit, I mean, a one-on-one lesson, I mean, holy smokes. I mean, how can you possibly hit and hit and hit for 30 straight minutes or even 10 straight minutes for that matter and actually get better. No, I completely agree. Or I mean, is that the same thing for pitching too? Yeah, because, well, I feel like even more so. I mean, I can't have a kid throw 150 pitches, you know, in an hour. So when I'm doing individual lessons, I I spend, honestly, half the time is doing warm-up and recovery stuff. Like we're only throwing a baseball probably for 20 minutes. So so every lesson you do is an hour? Usually, unless they're really young, like I have some really young kids where it's just a half hour, like to where I, like I can't do technical warm up stuff for 20, 30 minutes with a kid that's eight years old. You know, it's like, that's more of like, okay, let's just throw the ball. Let's learn how to just throw hard and just let's have fun more. You know, that's why I like to work with more older kids because then I can get more technical. Um, but, but typically the, the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes will be warm up stuff, um, full body warm up, and then also doing some arm care stuff. Um, and depending on the kid, we'll do some weighted ball type stuff before we throw. You ever want to open up your uh, a facility like Drive On? 
I don't think I would ever want to open my own, but I, I would consider working with someone. Like, for example, X2 in Arizona. Um, I worked there a little bit this past off season. If you needed help, I would help out there. And I really enjoyed that because it, it is kind of like a mini driveline. It's a smaller facility, but it's the same type of environment. It's only baseball players that are in there. Um, and it's just fun. Um, I, I love being on the field, though. Um, so that'd be the hard part about giving up that. But if I could do both, I would definitely consider working at a facility like that. So, but you're going to go be a college? Where are you, where are you going this fall? Uh, Virginia Commonwealth to be a GA. So you're you're going a different route. Yeah. Hey, you never know what's going to happen. It's only a year, year commitment to this. and You only got so many years. I know. There's so many things I want to do, though. I want to do. I want to have my foot in a lot of places with baseball. So I'm just going to try to figure that out, take it step by step. But whatever doors open, I'll consider them and go from there. Yeah, and, and uh, one of the cool things about the whole uh, technology in baseball is, and which has really exploded the last couple of years, and I was reading online about how the Astros came out because they're big endorser, endorsers of Blast Motion. They said, if we had this knob sensor, because J.D. Martinez came up in their system. And right. He, if you look at his swing when he was with the oh, Astros, it was so it was bad. terrible. <laughs> I mean, terrible. And, and if they shows like if they had that uh, um, blast motion bat sensor, they would have been able to realize what was going on, and he would have been fixed, and then they would have you know, had him ever since. But it's just, I, and I love using blast motion. That's one of the reasons why I kind of um, do affiliate marketing uh, for them, just because I, I believe in it. But um, me- like measuring the attack angle and like how long you're on plane and, and your and your bat speed is it's so easy to explain to even like i've used it on kids as young as six right they understand like when, it, when it's a negative like that means you're slowing well, down exactly they can just see the numbers right yeah, it there just shows up right away yeah it's, it's perfect i love it um pitching wise what, what would you say pitching rap soda is probably the best tool oh it's amazing i used a rap soda for the first time this past off season when i was trying to play still and it, it is the same type of thing you get immediate feedback right after a throw i can see the way my ball's spinning rotating I can see the the spin access, the uh, spin rate. Um, it's just a great tool, and you can you can honestly just experiment. Like you don't have to guess and say, "Oh, I wonder if that was an okay pitch." I mean, you can obviously see the break, but you don't know what the rotation's doing. Um, so I think it's really cool to have that feedback and just to experiment with different pitches and try to figure out what you're trying to do. And you got you rehab from Tommy John. When do you start throwing again? I'm actually about one or two weeks away from being able to throw again. So I'm starting well, to ramp that up. You throw BP tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but no, it's uh, it's a little nerve wracking, not, not throwing for six months or five months or however long it's been. I'm a little nervous to start throwing again, but I'm excited at the same time. When you're, when you do, do you do like evaluations of, of players too, like pitchers? Like I know a big thing lately with hitters or with hitting coaches is, um, like there's some guys who go and get TPI certified, so like Titleist, right. Titleist Performance Institute, um, which is you know a golf thing, but they're uh, implementing it with baseball too. Actually, I think Driveline teamed up with them recently. Yeah, um, which I think is really cool. And golf is way ahead of baseball. I mean, I remember the guy, you know, more our host dad, Mike. Um, shout out, Mike! Thanks for letting us stay here. Um, but uh, he was telling me about he was getting golf lessons just you know years ago, and they were you know, doing like the video and analytics and, you know, being able to go side by side and compare him to his movement patterns to professional golfer and this and how detailed. And this was years ago. And baseball is just now getting there. Right. You know, Um, so anyway, that was a long form question, but our comment. But um, do you do it? Do you guys do anything with pitchers when it comes to kind of like observing posture and, and things like that? Yeah, so I think I talked about this on our first podcast maybe a month or two ago, but I think an assessment is key because um, we can talk about 
perfect mechanics for throwing or hitting for for that matter. Um, but if guys can't move in a certain way, you can't expect them to be able to get into that position. So, for example, when a pitcher is going into their, their stride phase, okay, so their front foot is going into foot plant, you technically want to try to keep your back hip externally rotated. So, in other words, my knee facing more outward than caving in for as long as I can because that's going to recruit more of my glute and hamstring muscles rather than my quad muscles. Um, but, like, for me, for example, I really struggle with that because my hips are so bad with mobility. So, like, I have a tendency to really cave in early with my hip. Um, so, like, if someone – I didn't even know that until – six months ago that my hips were that bad. If I would have had someone three, four years ago that could have told me that's one of my weaknesses, I would have been able to work on it a lot more. So it gives you an idea of where you're at and what type of movements you need to work on and, and where you struggle with. So um, that that's the big key. I think just the assessment is critical um, just to know how, how individuals move and rather than force them to get into a position, um, you actually can see if they're able to because you, you can tell someone, hey, you should be doing this, but they might not be able to they physically do, do that. I remember all know? the time I, I would watch like certain guys hit and I would try to mimic them I'm like man like why can't I pull that off I physically couldn't do it right I mean I wasn't I was I wasn't I was getting ready to say I wasn't a great athlete I mean I was a, I was a decent athlete <laughs> I wasn't terrible but um like Bryce Harper a very loose stretchy stretchy yep. mover like I would always try to sometimes mimic him even though I was right-handed from like the right side I couldn't come close I mean, I'm not right. I'm such a stiff mover and I never could figure out why now I know why. And I mean, there's this, like, if you're like kind of like going over like posture of, of like two individuals, if you're going to go do an assessment, you know, there's this thing on if you're like lower cross syndrome where like your pelvis sags in, right. And it's because your, you know, abs are weak and, and, and glutes are weak and everything. So the, the pelvis sags in. And so that basically your back would be like caving in sort of yeah. thing. And so like that really, really decreases your power output as a hitter. So that's something that right there where, you know, you have to be able to assess that um, as an athlete or um, especially as a coach. And I, I do think within the next several years that there'll be some sort of certification you'll, you'll have to have. Right. And, I, have, I, think and so. I think it should be. You know, I, I think that that's critical. And I've even considered doing the, the Titleist Performance Institute certification, even though it is related to golf. I just think they do so many good things as far as movement and mechanical patterns that translate to baseball that I think it's worth it to look into. Yeah. And uh and again, one of the, the main things is is looking at from a, um, a muscle and strength standpoint and just everything is first, you know, it's the pelvis, you know, goes first, then the torso, then the arms, boom, right. bam, that's it. It's hitting so simple. It's it. Jared, just do that. that yeah. Yeah. Right there. Um, one of the one of the things that I, I've actually kind of been um, reading up on a lot lately is um, going online and checking out uh, Jerry Brewer. Yeah. on Dustin Lynn's Google Drive. He has some great stuff on there. Um, if you go on Twitter, uh, at Dustin Lind, um, click on his, um, um, and his, he has a pinned tweet, Google Docs. Scroll down to additional resources and go to East Bay Hitting, and all of Dr Jerry Brewer's stuff is on there. Fantastic hitting coach. Actually, he's retired now. Um, he got, I think when I talked to him last, he got a little bit burned out and just got really busy with uh, family life stuff. He was actually just doing this on the side, but he puts out some incredible, incredible um, work. Um, what, where do you go to get some of your resources for, for pitching? I would say the first one is uh, Driveline's page. They have so many blogs that are on their blog posts um, related to anything, you know, mechanical stuff, whether it be arm path, lower half mechanics, 
Um, they have lifting stuff, mobility stuff. They even have stuff for coaches on how to screen your players and how to do your assessments. That's where I got a lot of my assessment stuff was just seeing what they were doing. Um, so they give out so much free content. And another guy is Ben Brewster. Um, he does Tread Athletics. Um, it's an online programming uh, for baseball players. He, he posts some good stuff on Twitter, um, Instagram. He, he's a big video guy. He'll post a lot of videos on YouTube of just explaining different drills and exercises. Um, so that's another good one. And then I also just, I'm a big reader, like just actual books. Um, Hacking the Connect Chain is one. Um, the Complete Pitcher by Derek Johnson, who's a, a pitching coach in the Brewers organization. Um, just really stuff like that, like as, as much stuff as you can read related to, to mechanics or the mental side. I think the mental side is a big part of, of baseball too. Um, I don't think it gets enough credit. No. Um, you know, it's I, cause it's a boy. And again, it's cause it's so hard to master and right. It's so, I mean, there's just no, you can't, there's no science behind any of it. Right. Well, and I, and I get it, you know, it's like, especially if you're a younger player or, you know, or you're, you're not that good, it doesn't matter you know, how mentally strong you are. If you're not good, you're not good. But I think once you get to a higher level, I think that's what separates um, the, the pros from being good or being great, I think, is being ha- being able to consistently have a, a game plan and have a consistent routine of what you're trying to do and not to be able to waver from that and to be mentally strong. Um, I think it's an underrated tool that can separate, separate you the higher up you get. Yeah, and... One of the things, um, who was the famous or the uh, mental coach who just passed away? Ken Revisa. Yeah, I remember him. He had a he had a quote um, that I wrote down somewhere. Oh yeah, it was okay. Here it is. So it was, it, one of his things, and this was this applies uh, very very well to um, athletes in this day and age, and especially in baseball because you fail so much and you play every day, and so most days you're not going to feel good. And what he came out and he said, he said, you know, are you that bad of an athlete that you have to feel great to perform well? Yeah, I love that. You know what I mean? And it's so true. You can, first of all, you can take that quote and apply it to anything in life. Exactly. I mean, but especially, you know, in our instance, baseball players, um, and for me, a hitting coach, hitting, you're not, you know, you're going to feel like crap most, I mean, a lot of the time, you know, most of the time, because you're going to fail, you know, seven out of 10. So, you know, you don't have to feel good to perform well. You don't. You can no. still get it done. You can still do it. Absolutely. I mean, this is kind of an extreme, but David Wells, for example, he threw a perfect game hunt over back in the '90s. So I'm guessing he didn't feel that good physically. Um, but but it's it's true. I mean, for a pitcher, you know, obviously hitters fail more than pitchers. But even for pitching, you know, if you're a star in the big leagues, you have 30 starts. Um, I, I've heard I've heard this example that over 30 starts, a big leaguer will have 10 starts where he feels really great. He'll have 10 where he feels like crap, and he'll have 10 where he's somewhere in the middle where he has to try to figure it out. So it's um, it's those games. It's easy to perform well when everything feels right and everything's going well. But what do you do when you're struggling or when you're tired or you, you had a long bus ride and you got back at four in the morning the night before? What are you going to do to be able to perform that night? Because it's your job's still on the line that night. It's still another game. It's going to count towards your stats. It's going to count the same as any other night. What are you going to do to be mentally prepared to be able to stay locked in? I've heard, and again, this is just me, but I've heard from some pretty valuable sources, reliable sources that actually a lot of big league pitchers um, um, get high before the game, and that's one of the ways they kind of cope with it. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you'll hear stories all the time of people. Well, I mean, on the, if you're on the 40-man, they don't test for marijuana. Right. Well, w- what are they doing that for, just to be more relaxed and just to have more of a relaxed yeah. mental side? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and that's why I, I've, you know, a lot of, again, this is just what I hear, but... <laughs> I've heard that's why a lot of guys want to be on the 40-man bad. Right, and it makes no sense. Tested. How can you t- not test for it in the big leagues and then test for it in the minor leagues? Yeah. That's stupid. 
No, it is. But there's a, there's always there's always things like that that separate minor leagues from the big leagues that they do differently. But it doesn't really. It's make like sense. first year minor league coaches making about twenty, I think twenty five thousand dollars a year. Right. That's insane. Yeah. How do you live off of that? You don't. <laughs> like, what do you, like, I don't well, you got to do other stuff on the side in the off season. But I mean, there's no off season. Season's damn near. No, I mean, I mean you kind of nine got months. It. I mean, uh, if you stay out in instructional well, ball too. The, Oh yeah, if you do that, and then you got to show. Say you're February? a pitching coach, you got to be there in February. There from February till maybe October, or if you're part of even the Arizona Fall League, that goes till November. Okay, so, you okay, two you get, months. Two yeah. months. Yeah. Hey, nobody's making you do it. No, that's true. But I mean, <laughs> some guys, that's all they know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are baseball lifers, whether they like it or not. That's just their niche, and that's what they're they're in. Um, who do you, who do you think's gonna have a big second half this year? Cross major league baseball. Team or player? Both. Oh man, I haven't even been following stats as much as I should. That have. Is, been and that's, so that's busy. the bad thing about like summer I, baseball is you can't watch a whole bunch. I of, really can't even that's say. That's what you. sucks about it. I mean, uh, well, okay, well, team wise, they're already turning around. But the Dodgers, I mean, they did not have a good first half, but they made some big deals with getting Machado. Um, I, I kind of see them running away with the the NL West here as we go down the home stretch. Um, individual wise, though, I honestly can't even think of a player that I had Bryce Harper. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, honestly, I know, I know his average is so bad, but honestly, the rest of his numbers aren't bad. No, he gets on base a lot. He hits a lot of bombs. It's just his average is down. I'd have to look at the other numbers. I don't know if his strikeout rate's higher or what, but he honestly is just getting a bad rap because his average is so low. Even though his on base percentage is still well above average, and his home runs is in the top five in the league. Yeah, and I mean, did you see? Um, did you see where the Indians are, are asking about about him? Bryce Harper? No, what what are they trying to get for him? Well, I, mean, I don't know. What, I mean, they're trying to get Bryce Harper, so they're trying. Well, to get yeah, him. but I mean, I don't know. Oh, where, where's he going to play? What's their outfield situation? Yeah, the, you you going to sit? I mean, one of those guys going to sit. I mean, I don't, yeah. That's the thing. I don't even know who it is, but yeah, you get Bryce Harper, you're going to sit, even though he's had. And this is again like a small sample size. It's just half a season. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see Mookie Betts is hitting three forty four? Uh, no, I didn't see it, but it doesn't surprise me. I know he's been doing well all year. Runs. I mean, I love watching him play. 25 I mean, home runs. J.D. Martinez. Are What's he got, 32? 32. Blast motion guy. That's what I'm saying. If the right. Astros came out and said if they would have had blast motion. Shoot, he'd JD, still be with the Astros, with maybe. The Astros. Imagine <laughs> that. Uh, the Reds, actually, you know, Scooter Jeanette, he's another one. Talk about, I love these guys who just come out of just make a nowhere. Turn yeah. yeah. Scooter Jeanette was, you know, he took he took over Ricky Weeks' spot in Milwaukee. And was supposed to be like the next guy. Yeah, and I remember that. And because Ricky Weeks was struggling, he was slumping. It was at you know end of his career. Scooter came up. He was a top prospect, and it never panned out. Nice. And then he went to Cincinnati. Bam. Yeah, it's weird how that happens. Sometimes just a change of scenery can help turn around guys' performances. And obviously, it's more than just the scenery. They're obviously doing something mechanically, or they got a new coach that they're working with. But it is kind of cool to see that. See those those stories come up. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, personal personal life can be as well. And I think that gets yeah. kind of overlooked. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Because you play so many games, and if you have something going on oh. in your personal life, I mean, they're they're just humans. No. And you've, and, and I, it kills me when people say, "Well, they make millions of dollars." You do not realize they have zero job security. No, exactly zero. Well, and most of them have families that are at home that they don't see all the time. They, you know, they're they're dealing with real life stuff just like we are. You know, and they still are expected to go out there and perform. Um, I actually remember uh, 
a quote from Tony LaRussa. This was back in the early 2000s. I don't know if you remember um, who Daryl Kyle was. Do you know that name? Mm-mm. He was a pitcher for the Cardinals in 2002, I believe. He passed away um, from a heart attack. Oh, what's it, his name? Dar- uh, Darren Kyle. Derek. I Kyle. do remember. Some, I remember. Some, I, something Kyle. I remember actually uh, watching that on TV. Yep. And he. I was a young kid. Yeah, yeah, I was 10 years old when yeah. it happened. Um, and I remember, yeah, he passed away, just a freak accident. During the middle of the season, yeah. he died in his hotel room. Um, and the players were struggling with coping on, you know, what do we do? How do we handle this situation? Um, and Tony La Russa um, found a quote from uh, Daryl Kyle that he, that he posted in the newspaper after his own father died, saying, you have to, find, you have to be able to separate your work life from your personal life. And it's one of the hardest things to do. And he was talking about how he had to do that personally with his own father. And he basically, it was a sign to his his own team after the fact that that's what he wanted them to do. And they ended up going to the World Series that year. So I don't remember what year it was. What year did they go to the World Series? Oh, four. It was oh, four because it was against the Red Sox. The Red Sox beat them in 2004. Um, but yeah, it's just, man, they're, they're only humans, like you said, and they're, they're dealing with real life stuff. They're dealing with family issues, deaths of, of family members, friends. It's just, you know, and they're still expected to go out there and perform every single day. Brand Suter, another one just got, just got on the, on the DL Tommy John mm-hmm. surgery. Um, had him on the show. Not that actually episode like 20 something. I think he's a great, great guy. Um, so I was going to say RIP to his arm, but now he's making a huge comeback. Um, can't wait to see the suit dog back um, in Milwaukee. Tommy John is at a, is an epidemic. I, don't, I really no. don't understand like, I how, don't how many people. And I'm even a victim of it. Like, yeah. I don't, I, and that's the thing. Like Before I got hurt, I felt totally fine. Like I was doing great. I was throwing harder than I ever had last season. I was making good strides in my offseason program and just one throw is all it took and I felt a pop. You know, it's just it's just uh it's crazy how many unknowns there are. You know, there's so many factors that go into injuries. You know, like mechanics can be one thing. Um, but even just stuff like not having proper rest, you know, consistently um consistently not getting enough rest, not eating right, um, not being not having the right mobility, just uh, over time things start to add up the way you're affecting your body and it's just it's incredible that there this has been going on for so long and we still don't know exactly what causes it. Yeah, cuz I you don't remember 25 years ago having Tommy John surgeries for 16-year-old kids all the time. Right. And that's the scary part is the younger kids. I mean, we had a kid and we supposed this to have year. all this technology. I know. It and, is and it, I mean and all this science type of sports science stuff and yeah. it's still It's just a reminder of how little we still know. Yeah. What were you going to say about? Oh, well, I was just going to say, we even had a kid um, on our summer team um, who had Tommy John his junior year of high school, and he showed up uh, this summer, kind of banged up still, and his arm was bothering him right when he got here, and he ended up having Tommy John again. He's 19 or 20 years old, and he's already having his second Tommy John. You know, it's just, it's crazy what's going on with all the injuries. I don't get it. But, hey, I'm not a pitcher either, so, you you know, you guys... Have all your weird stuff with the yips, and you know, can't feel a ground ball. <laughs> hey, throw you're, you're throwing BP. I've seen the yips happen throw, to you too. Hey, well, <laughs> no, actually, I've gotten very, very good throwing BP. Well, yeah, you've been throwing a lot, so you better get I've good at it. I've done a hell of a job. You have. I, I'll give you that. I mean, you've you've pretty much been our only consistent BP uh, throw the entire year. I'm gonna pull. A, you know, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, the other day, I was like, I this is when you know you're feeling good in BP. Okay, the other day we were in Canada. And I was throwing for like the fourth day in a row, and I did not throw one ball, not a single ball, for like three rounds straight. That's pretty impressive. Three I, I, I rounds gotta give that straight. 
I, I couldn't do that. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said three rounds. I meant three groups. Three groups. You must that have been locked all. in. I was locked in. Did you take in. an Adderall? Uh, no, I had coffee. <laughs> All Same right. thing. Yeah, that works just as good. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, I, that's another thing. I've heard a lot of a lot of MLB guys. They're getting um, prescribed Adderall. I know they're, oh, they're, yeah. they are kind of cutting down on it. I mean, I know because Chris Davis used to be prescribed, and then he got popped yep. for it. Oh, it's it's kind of easy to get in trouble for that stuff. Still, it seems like it happens. But you, isn't you, coffee you, the you, same you, thing? You just get a bunch uh, of caffeine. Uh, I, I can't speak from personal experience, but from everything I've been told, like it's just, you are literally just laser focused on whatever you're doing. It's, you know, like that perfect moment of like just being in the in zone. The zone yeah. Like that, that's what it does automatically for you from what I've been told. At least I'm already in the zone. I don't need that. Yeah. That's I'm, right. I'm well, you're a stud. That's I'm why I'm born in the zone. <laughs> All right, Jared, this is our last episode. Well, I mean, maybe not next week, if, depending on and how if the we win the championship, go. maybe we'll do one. Maybe hurrah. we'll do a, no, you know, a drunk one. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We won't. But, um, <laughs> This could be our last episode, maybe not. What's the prediction? Lima Locos, 2018 Great Lakes Collegiate League. Boom, what are we going to do? I think we're going to upset everyone win the championship. What do you mean upset everyone? We're top dog. I mean, are we, though? Yeah. Are we? We're in second. We took second place. That's all right. Well, well here's the thing. I, th- I, honest, I know every team's lost players, but I honestly think we've lost more pitchers than anybody else. We've lost 18 guys. Like, it's insane. We, we have, I think we have six pitchers right now. Maybe seven. And then we got a couple of position players that are turning into pitchers. So, well, that's the other thing. We had a, one of our, our outfielders, he started for us the other night and threw five innings and looked really good. So he pretty, he he's, pretty good. He's probably going to have to start one of our playoff games. Yeah. So, um, I think the starting pitching will be key. If our starters can give us at least six innings, seven strong innings. It always comes down to pitching. It really does. No, if, if our starters get in trouble early on, we're gonna, we might be in trouble. But if they can go seven innings, I think we're going to be in good shape. I love uh, – yeah, that, pitching is so it – is, it is so mental, isn't it? I mean – a lot of it is. I mean, for you always throw strikes though. Yeah, but it, but still mentally, like trying to like outthink hitters and try to think. Like I was always a thinker. That's like, the thing. I, you don't need to outthink hitters because hitters a lot of times don't think. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's well, true. Until you get to pro ball. Yeah. Well, that that's the well for me. I had to think because I threw eighty two miles an hour. It's gonna get lit up if I just throw fastballs. Imagine so. if you were facing me. <laughs> you were facing me. I put one over that batter's eye. Probably not. I throw you four straight changeups. Yeah, and I'd, I'd put one. I'd pull one a bomb down the line all right there's no way to find out unless i rehab mm-hmm. and we can do a little one-on-one match mm-hmm. but but no um especially at the end of the summer like these kids i mean it, the reality is a lot of them you know they they want to go home they they've been here they were at school all year they've been here this summer they, they want to see their family a little bit but it's one week left and hopefully they got enough energy to win a championship a see you guys in canada what's the name of the team green giants What's the what's the first name? Saint Cloud. Saint Clair. Saint Clair. Saint Cloud. Saint Clair. Saint, Cloud. Saint, Cloud. Saint, Cloud. <laughs> Saint Cloud's in Minnesota. Saint Cloud. Yeah, I said whatever. It's up north. All right, Jared. Yep. As always, it's been a pleasure.